The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, my name is Dave, and um, uh, we are in 1 John. So if you have a Bible, brought a Bible, would like a Bible, there's some Bibles around. Uh, We've ordered some more, so we know that you might have to go down a few chairs to find a Bible. But if you see a Bible under a chair, I'm sure a neighbor would be happy to pass you a Bible. Very generous people giving away these Bibles here in the room. So feel free to take a Bible, use a Bible. And if you would like to take a Bible home, that is a gift from us to you. And we will be putting more Bibles in in the coming weeks as well. So 1 John, we are in chapter 4, verse 12. So that's where we're going to be at today. And uh, we are uh, learning all about love made known. This idea that um, there is a love that for some, they don't know about it. They, they're, they, they're not aware of who God is and Uh, They haven't seen God or even seen the works of God in a way that best display who he is. And um, in Romans 1, we learn all about that God is seen in the land around us. But many in our generation um, uh, attribute other things to that the beauty that's around us. But those of us who know and love the Lord, we know that God has created that for all the world to know who he is. And John is the author of 1 John. He's writing to the first century church to remind them that they are the display people. Like they are the ones, they are the billboard uh, so the world will know who God is and that their love for each other will be the main way that the world will know who God is. And in the passage today, uh, 12 through 21, this word love is going to show up 16 times. So it's, it's uh, just concentrated with this idea of love. Uh, their love for each other is not expected or demanded just by sheer discipline, that you're just like you'll wake up and you've got to figure out how to love people, even those hard people. But it's actually based on a love that they have already received. The church has already received a certain type of love, and it's this kind of love that John is saying, pass that on to others. The truth of Jesus' love for mankind, it is the foundation. It is the truth that motivates us, that pushes us, that we can build our lives on. It's that kind of love. And the spirit of love and truth of the gospel is how we are best going to make God's love made known. So before we get into 1 John 4, uh, I do want to remind us of another part of this passage that Brian brought up this morning with Jesus and the woman of the well. When he comes to this woman, uh, they have a conversation, as you heard this morning, and she begins to ask about worship with Jesus in their conversation. You don't need to turn there. I don't even know if I'm going to have it on the screen or not, but uh, John 4.23 says this. uh, Jesus says, but the hour is coming, and now here we're in true worshipers or worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to worship God in truth and in spirit. John's going to be kind of unpacking that for us today. And as the woman questions Jesus, that the Messiah is coming. Do you know anything about that? Jesus says, I'm actually am he. 
And it's this Jesus, this Messiah, this Son of God that motivates us to understand what true love is. So let me pray before we read our passage today. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of your word. May we, may we love it. May we enjoy it. May we read it daily. May we memorize it and we hide it in our hearts. We don't sin against you, but that we live a life that worships you. I pray this morning for all of us in the room that we grow closer to you and we grow and grow our love for others as well. It's in your name. Amen. So 1 John 4, 12 is where we're starting. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God is for us. So point number one today, the unseen God is seen by love. The unseen God is seen by love. The passage starts with, recognizes that the only true God cannot be visually seen himself. And God's revealed himself as you look through the Old Testament, even some in the New, some with fire, some with clouds. Sometimes, like in Moses' case, he reveals himself to Moses, but just his shadow hits Moses. And what happens to Moses' physical form when the shadow of God hits Moses? Well, his face becomes bright as the sun that nobody can even look at Moses, so he puts a veil on his face. Like, that is one reason why God doesn't unveil himself fully to us because we would probably explode of some sort if his shadow causes our faces to turn into sunshines. He can be seen, but just seen in a different way. We can see his activity. There must be some sort of force behind the activity that we are seeing. And uh, Take, for example, gravity, this force. It's it's been known for as long as uh, people have been walking around, uh, even before the scientific process was more developed. People knew that gravity was a truth. They, they couldn't explain it per se. They couldn't replicate it anywhere. And they actually couldn't say where it even came from. But everyone agreed that there was a force that kept most things on the ground, except for like helium balloons, right? There's like a few things that don't stick to the planet. Our modern science right now, we have ways of measuring gravity, this idea of objects being pulled to one another on planets and moves. And we have a skill now that we can estimate the gravity on planets and celestial bodies that we have not even been to yet. There is an invisible force that makes one object be attracted to another. And if you want to have a trippy day, Google what makes gravity work. Because I tried and I stopped. It was a good time, but I was like, I probably should start studying the message a little bit more. Because there's things called gravitons and electromagnetic forces and invisible, like, time-space continuum stuff. 
Like, why does one object that's big even know that a little object that's smaller is near it so much so that it's like, come here, come here. Something's going on that the smartest people in the world have written theories about. And there have been thousands of scientific discoveries recently, and there'll be thousands more as the world continues to share knowledge, and we find very, very tiny microscopes and very large telescopes, and we start seeing things that we've never seen before. But God's never going to be seen in this way. But like gravity, there's a force. There's something we know that is true. And this force that John is talking about today is love. There's something out there that makes people act in a way that goes against our human nature that must show something else is going on. There's a God-sized nature out there that's drawing us to act oddly, if you will, comparatively to how we would naturally act. Let's read this passage again and picture this force, this gravity-like force that we can't see, but that shows that God exists. No one has ever seen God. This is verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So the unseen God is seen by love. And in 12, we read that his love's perfected in us. And most of us, when we read these words like perfected in us, we slow down a little bit like, uh, I don't think I'm there yet. But this word is maturing or matured or growing into maturity, to be completed. That's what's happening when the church loves. When we live out the love of God in our relationships with each other, we are putting God on display. And more and more people will see God. And it's a growing force. And we get this. It's this idea of getting better and stronger and the force becoming a better display of who God is. And when we love others, we realize it takes humility. Some are easier to love, but nobody is easy to love. And the idea of learning and getting better at this idea of, of sacrifice um, I think we understand. Take one, one attribute that as from children to adults, we get better at. Maybe we're not perfected at, but we get better at. And it's this idea of it's better to give than receive. And you could do a small experiment. If you take 10 three-year-olds and put them in a room with two toys, do they know this truth? Not at all, Right? It's better to break the toy than anybody to have it, right? It's like, that toy is mine. But say you grow up. Say you get a little older and you recognize, hey, you know what? Let's not break the toys. Maybe we roll it around together. Maybe we have fun with the few toys that are in the room and we begin to learn to share. And maybe as you get even older, 
and you come to a door and there's somebody else there, and you're like, after you. They get the first. Or maybe, like I experienced this last week, the Proviances and I, we went on a little double date to get some ice cream, and, and I was there, and I said, um, go ahead and put all this on one ticket, and because I'm generous with ice cream, I suppose, right? So it's like, put it on one ticket. But I go to throw away a napkin in the trash can, and while I do that, guess what Jess did? He had his card out and then the little slot. I was like, you stinker. What did he do? He took my opportunity to get, now we're fighting over who gives. Now it's not perfect, because I'm mad about it, right? It's not perfect, but you can see the transition. We're not three anymore. We're learning that it's better to give than receive. And this is the kind of rhythm and growth that God wants for his church. We don't all start perfect, but our hope is that we, we grow more and more in maturity of understanding giving, serving, sharing is the way of God. And we learn in the scriptures, it comes from the spirit, right? Point number two, the spirit allows us to see Jesus. The Spirit allows us to see Jesus. So 1 John 4, 13 said this, as we read earlier, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. In the passage today, there's this, like, I can't see, and there's this, I can see going on back and forth. What we can see and can't see Jesus is the physical representation of God. I'm the son of God. I am God. The spirit is this power of God that we see in the church. We call this the Trinity, three in one, the father, the son, and the spirit. And the spirit is a gift. He's active in our faith. And that we know we're abiding in God and God is abiding in us because God has given his spirit to show us things that we can see, namely the truth of Jesus the physical representation, that now the church is the new body of Christ, the new physical representation. And what is the essential step in abiding in God? It's testifying, as we just read, that Jesus is the Son of God. There's something about faith and understanding who Jesus is that is an essential step for understanding love, because it must begin from that. Any love that does not come from Jesus, this eternal sacrificial love that God displays to us, is not the kind of love John is talking about. It's not the kind of love that's going to last through the storm. It's not the kind of love that's going to love enemies. And my hope as we read the scriptures and stay in the scriptures and, and, and mull over them and, and memorize them, we recognize I have room to grow. The love that Jesus gave to me, I have to give that kind of love away? God, grow me. Spirit, continue to help me understand my faith and who Jesus is because it's that kind of faith that I want to give away. Jesus' existence, but also Jesus' lordship. Paul wrote in Romans 8, I'm going to put it up on the screen for us today, how this knowledge of who Jesus is and the work of spirit connects. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves 
so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, Jesus. If indeed we share his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Two things I want to point out. Keep it on the screen for me. Those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. I wore my Be Blessed Belong shirt today. One, because I'm going on vacation today. But secondly, because this identity, this be, we hope that as a church that you know that you are a child of God if you testify and follow the Lord Jesus. And because you are in the family of God, you've adopted, been adopted as sons and daughters, you get to live out your faith in a way that the whole world will not understand, but they'll see the force. They'll see the force of love in a way that they cannot explain. And our hope is that this force of love draws them into the family of God. And the spirit is the activity. What makes the really big planet make that little moon stick to it as it's in this perfect orbit? Something we cannot see. What makes people who don't care about God start orbiting the church and getting around God a little bit? We're like, how did they start hanging out with us? That's, they were like really far away for a while. That's the spirit. That's the work of God. That's this idea of love. So we have an unseen God that is seen by our love. We have an unseen God that can be worshipped, enjoyed, and known because the Spirit is living and active today. He cares about being known and attracts the lost to the church, the future Christians. And as we read right in the middle, even Paul's passage, that the Spirit that you've received does not make you a slave to fear. So our third point today is God's love removes fear. So that's what John's about to talk about. 1 John 4, 16, continuing with our passage today in 1 John. God's love, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And this is, lo this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected by love. So God's love, in some way, friends, removes fear. There's no fear in love. Friends, when love is present, it actively pushes away fear. God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There was this active, he moved towards us. If you are a son or daughter of the king, you don't need to fear judgment anymore. Well, why is that? Well, the very Jesus that you've put your faith in has already absorbed the wrath of God and the punishment. Not Jesus's, but yours and mine. Parents, we, we kind of understand this idea of 
love that casts out fear because we have authority in our relationships with our own children and we love our children, but they, they make mistakes. But when they do, we want them to come and talk to us about them and help them. Not so that we can destroy them. Oh, you made a mistake? Good, it's time for me to destroy you. Come back next time. Like, that's not what parents do. The goal is development. The goal is helpfulness. But from their perspective... They may want to cover up this mistake or lie about because they're fearful of the punishment. But say your child is alone and rides their bike down your driveway and the, the edge of the bike, because you haven't bought them a bike in a while, has that little metal handlebar part stick out and it kind of goes against the new car you bought three weeks ago. Is that y'all's story too? Okay, so that happens. And what do you want your child to do? Well, you hope that you have a loving relationship with your child, that they will come inside and say, Mom, Dad, something just happened outside. Can I show you? And then you go outside and you, you look at the vehicle and you're like, well, isn't that nice? <laughs> what happened? And you have a conversation. You get down on one knee and you talk about how close we should ride our bikes and push them between the vehicles and not try to do this. And I'll get you a new little rubber handle grip, right? It's like those kind of things happen in a loving relationship. But what happens if there's not a loving relationship between parent and child? There's no way that kid's coming inside, right? So then there's this, this kind of silent guilt that lives in the kid. That every time... The kid opens the door that has the scratch on it, has to deal with, I haven't said anything yet, uh, right? And how long does that last? Well, way too long. And then when the parent sees it and recognizes it and says, does anybody? And then what's that? It's layers upon layers of condemnation that they're putting on themselves, which is more punishing. That is not the kind of love or rhythm that a relationship with God wants with his kids. He's already proven you can make mistakes around him and I'll take care of it. But I want you to come to me and let's talk about it. And I'll tell you, there's going to be some consequences sometimes, but they're going to be balanced so that you will better understand how you should live in the future. But many of us, and most of the world, pictures God as somebody that's ready to destroy anyone that's made a mistake. And parents, we who are sinners know we don't want to be those kind of parents. What kind of parent is God to us? One who wants us to understand and accept because of the love that's already been seen and we testify it to through Jesus that we can go to him and develop. There is no fear in God's love. Let's continue reading the last few verses this morning. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So our fourth point today 
is we must love those we can see. We must love those we can see. John presents us this statement, this kind of question about loving your brother. Do you love those that you can see? Do you hate other people? Is there anyone you hate? And he asks in a way, if we can hate those that are created in the image of God that we can see, how in the world can we love this invisible God? And he says you can't. So if you are currently not loving people, get that right. And that's weighty. All of us, people just popped in our minds. Who are we not loving? How can we go to that loving God and say, Father, I am sorry I have not loved this person well. Help my heart love them the way that you love them. That you would send your perfect son as a sacrifice for their sin the same way you did for mine. I see them now the way you see them. And I want to love them the way that you love them. What happens when a whole church, a neighborhood begins to love people that way? I think a neighborhood starts seeing a God and starts feeling that force and starts feeling that love and they start kind of like connecting and being around more and seeing more and more who Jesus is and the Spirit draws them in and we baptize them because of the love they have for Jesus. Amen? Doesn't that sound like what we want to be a part of? That's what I want to be a part of. But we must love those we can see before we say, we hate you people, but we love you, God. So our review today, the unseen God is seen by love. Secondly, the Spirit allows us to see Jesus. Thirdly, God's love removes fear. And fourthly, we must love those we can see. I know putting your faith in an unseen God, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. I know humbly trusting the Spirit and following Jesus, it's, it's not easy. I know living fearlessly in the Father's arms and seeking peace through that relationship, that's not easy. I know loving all people, every single human being, the way that God loves them, is not easy. But I, if I can re- review Romans eight seventeen that we read earlier, Now, if we are children, that we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That sacrifice for that person you don't like, that may feel like a, a small suffering. People looking at you and misjudging you for your decisions because you don't live just like them, that may be some suffering. And there's a hundred stories in this room of suffering because you've chosen to follow Jesus. But my hope for you to see today is that you will share in the glory of the kingdom of God. The Christian life's not easy, but Jesus is the victor. He is our co-heir. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. His love is the force that he is using to display himself to the world. Let's do that more and more because of the love he's given to us as we love God and our neighbors together.
and his love is made known. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for having nails go through your hands and feet as a display of punishment for us being disobedient daily. Thank you for taking that punishment to free us to go love others. May we never take for granted the work that you have done. Jesus, I pray for us as a community that we love those that we can see and we get those relationships right as we pursue loving you. Be with us now as we have this time of communion. It's in your name. Amen.